not be deceived, there are tares sown among the wheat. There is no deception so well hidden in plain sight than the agenda of the troglodyte. They aim to erase human dominion of the earth and claim it for their own. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another dad cast. I'm your host with the other host here, both dads doing dad things, living that dad life. Yes, you are. How many hours of sleep are you going on? And no comment. <laughs> Not enough. I'll say that much. <laughs> um, he was up quite a bit. He's delirious. Yeah, my daughter likes to sing at early in the mornings. Two in the morning. Two till four to six. So. Um, anyway, so we got in a lot of singing last night and, uh, <laughs> we're here. So if I, uh, yeah, we're doing good though. And let's talk about not my sleep schedule. Let's talk about today's episode. Um, we're, we're on week six, man. Week six. Yeah. And, uh, what's this one called? Don't sabotage the process. Wow. Yeah. The process is real. I'll tell you that much. And, uh, Things are happening. We we this. If you are first tuning in, go back and listen to our first week, um, all the way back at the start. Should be uh, labeled on One. the podcast app. Yep. Yep. And um, this is week six. This is week six. There are eight weeks total, but we're not going to give you all eight weeks. We're giving you only seven of the eight. You have to come talk to us for the one. The go. seventh one. We'll give you a recap after this episode, though. A little yeah, bit. At we, the end of here, we're going to talk a little bit about week seven. Yeah, we don't the, want Yeah, the secretive week seven, because Allison really asked us to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Allison. Yep. So, um, yeah, we, we this is a good one. Kind of go over four high-level high points. Anything you want to say before we start this? I mean, we'll get into it. No, I think that, I think it, it yeah, covers it everything pretty well. Yeah. So we'll just uh, let it roll, and then we'll we'll come in at the end. Cool. All right. Well, enjoy. Okay. Welcome to week six. We got two more to go after this. So week six, don't sabotage the process. All right. The fifth commandment, Exodus 20, 12, says to honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And then Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Child-centered parenting tends to ignore this principle, but verse 21 of Colossians there says something very important. Fathers, and it should be do not. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. And that word is athemio. I don't know my Greek very well, but that means to be broken in spirit. Authoritarians ignore this principle, so they like to break the spirit. Um, we want to help our children honor the Lord and honor us so they can have a good life, a long life. Don't weaponize these scriptures against them. Carry the privilege of being a parent and do what is right. Train your children to the standard of scripture, not to how you feel, not to what the culture mandates. Sadly, Parents usually don't see the negative results of their permissive or authoritarian structures until later in life. 
They are unaware of the cracks forming during the adolescent years, and then torrents of conflict flood the teen years. Right, David? You were just a crazy teen, weren't you? I was troublesome. Were you? <laughs> I was just picking on you, but I didn't. <laughs> you didn't have to agree with me. <laughs> uh, here are some ways that parents undermine their children's training. I'm going to give four negative models of parenting, and I'm going to give extreme examples in order to drive home the point that these models are destructive. And, and I don't think any of well, we only, yeah, I was going to say, don't feel condemned. If there are a lot of people here who are parenting and have young kids, already, I was making sure they didn't feel condemned because all of us need correction. All of us have missed the mark somewhere. And just to let you know, I'm still correcting my own misunderstandings. So I'm trying to give grace to people. Okay. This is not exhaustive, but these are four ideas. A threatening, repeating parent. This parent will give instructions which need to be followed. When the child refuses to comply, the parent then threatens punishment but doesn't follow through. Threatening then turns into bargaining. And when bargaining fails, the parent has lost the battle. This then necessarily leads to punishment, which is typically weak at best. This parent wants compliance but is unwilling to enforce the boundaries or distribute the appropriate punishment, which means that the parent is enforcing disobedience. They console themselves that they're being patient. What they're actually doing is training the child to habitually ignore instruction. As time goes on, the child will become irritated with the incessant hollow threats of the parent, and the child's willful disobedience is strengthened. This child is also being trained to ignore God as they get older. To them, sin is a myth, and God is another weak-willed parent who isn't concerned with true obedience. The parent who bribes. This parent, much like the previous one, tries to barter with a child in hopes of gaining obedience. When bribing doesn't work, threats are employed. But here's what is different from the previous model. When the threats do not work, scare tactics are used. For example, mom says, if you clean your room, I'll give you a candy bar. Later, mom sees that the room hasn't been cleaned, so she says, if you don't clean your room, I'll have to take you to the orphanage. Now, I know this sounds extreme, but I have actually witnessed such tactics. This model avoids conflict through bribery, but when results don't happen, it passes right by the process of repeating threats and goes straight into manipula manipulation, which is witchcraft. Um, I've, heard, I've heard this. If you don't, if you don't shape up, uh, military school is an option. I've heard that used. In, that's the same kind of, I've heard it over and over, so. Yeah. Um, third model, a parent who negotiates in conflict. This is a tough one, you know, because this, this does happen to people. You've got to be careful of this. Uh, let's say your four-year-old needs to eat everything on his plate before he can have dessert. He throws a fit. He has to spend some time in his room and then come back to the supper table and finish his plate. He eats half of it and says he's ready for dessert. This is negotiation. This is not acceptable. He goes to his room for more content. So the parent's like, no, no, half isn't good enough. 
So he goes to his room for more contemplation. You bring him back out with the same instructions, finish your plate so you can have dessert. He then finishes everything but one bite, and he now expects to get dessert. This is still not acceptable because you are the parent and he is not in charge. Maybe you don't want to pick the supper table as a battlefield. I mean, there are other, like if your child has, I know this isn't written down, but supper table sometimes isn't the best place to pick that battle. Like let's say it's Thanksgiving. You don't want to battle with your child in front of family and stuff like that. But if there is a problem with a child not obeying you, you maybe pick a different area, like cleaning your room. You have to completely clean your room before you can do such and such because you want obe- what you're training is obedience. So, so I'm just making up a situation here. Okay. So, um, and she, where was I? Okay, so he, he expects to get dessert, but, but there's still one bite left on his plate. So... This is still not acceptable because you're the parent and he's not in charge. Maybe you don't want to pick the supper table as a battlefield. I read that. Okay. There are times when a child really can't fit any more in his food, any more food in his stomach. So that's, that could be a real thing. And there really are foods that are odious to a child. I remember such foods. <laughs> there are things I just couldn't stand. So I'm not advocating food abuse. Parents really need to promote full obedience. Honestly, this is often how we deal with God. We give him 50% or 70 or 90 of what he asks, but 90% of what he asks is still disobedience. Work on getting 100% obedience from your child. Work on giving God 100% obedience. That's something I need to keep working on. And have grace for your children since we all fall short of 100% obedience. And then the last model, a passive, compassionate parent. I'm not against a parent who is compassionate, but sometimes compassion is a mask covering the selfishness of a child. For example, your five-year-old son really likes the the neighbor boy's bike, and he takes it whenever he wants and goes for a ride. He brings it home and puts it in, in your own garage as if it were his own bike. When the neighbor boy wants his bike and he can't find it, he can't find it. It's always in your garage. This is stealing. But the compassionate parent will say, well, my son is learning to mature in property rights. He feels a sense of community that everyone should share their material items. I don't want to squelch that virtue of creating a shared community. Sounds like people around this community. Um, or the parent may say, my son forgot that it wasn't his bike. It was an oversight. This is covering up sin and making it look acceptable. This is not compassion. It's being an accomplice to the sin of your child. You are raising a thief. In fact, you are a thief. When your son grows up and steals a car because he feels like it, he's going to spend time in a new community. It's called jail. <laughs> That was a fun, fun one to write there. <laughs> the antidote. <laughs> so here's the antidote to all those failed parenting models. Train to the biblical standard. Each parent will have a different personality or temperament. You know, like a husband and wife, they'll be different in temperament. But you must be a team. If a child knows that mom is more lenient on certain things, the child will use that to their advantage. 
Both parents have to have the same expectation and boundaries for the household. Both parents have the task of training to biblical standards. Don't play good cop, bad cop. This places a wedge between the nice parent and the, quote, harsh parent. Sometimes one parent may not want to reward or punish a child until they have consulted with their spouse. That's fine. Often my wife would tell the children, when dad comes home, we'll both decide on what to do with this situation. So that's, that's fair. Uh, that way she wasn't conflicting with me. We made decisions as a team, or we tried to. <laughs> when you give instructions, expect those instructions to be obeyed. Make sure you have eye contact with a child when you're giving them instructions. Have them repeat the instructions to you. That's important because sometimes a child doesn't, they're so focused on other things, they don't know what you're saying. So to have them repeat it to you. And that, and that helps you to know. Uh, this ensures that they have understood and heard you. Then expect them to obey. You want to give them a five-minute mo- minute warning so they can be ready to obey your instructions, like when you ask them to clean the room or come to supper. They might need a few minutes to finish the things they were doing. Be aware of their feelings, but also expect them to complete the task you have given them. Another short one. Um, I, I tend, sometimes these questions at the end, I don't ask people to say them out loud because I don't want them to throw their parents under the bus. <laughs> uh, like, you know, how was your childhood affected by the by what your parents did. But I think it's, it's something you need to be asking yourself so that you don't repeat how, you've, how you were uh, raised, unless you're raised pretty well, you know, then repeat that. Um, so I'm looking at these questions. Uh, I'm not gonna ask them out loud. I don't want you guys to talk about your parents. Um, but I do think, go through these. <coughs> and think about what you would do different. I know some of you aren't married. In fact, I keep commenting it's hilarious that this class uh, usually has more um, unmarried people in it than married people. (laughs) And so last week I said, well, there's a lot of people that should be in this class that aren't here. (laughs) So, okay, let's take questions. And uh, I know. Any questions? We have less people here, so don't feel like you have to have a question. Uh, One thing, I was looking back over this, you you know, the the main thrust of the class is avoiding being an authoritarian or or permissive. Those are the two big um, categories. And these four... Um, models I gave are sort of subcategories. They they could be on either side, but I was thinking through that. You know, like um, like a threatening, repeating parent. They tend to be permissive because they're they're threatening, but then they're they're not really they're not really going to be um, they're not going to go through with punishment. Um, and also um, a parent who negotiates in conflict, they they tend to be permissive too. They they. They just, um, and even the compassionate parents. So they all tend to be permissive, which is more child-centered. But it's very interesting, the parent who bribes and then immediately goes, so I'm sending you to military school, is authoritarian. So, oh, we have a question. Yeah. Aaron. 
this isn't brought on by any example. It's okay. just something that I'm curious. Yeah, you're not throwing your parents under the bus. You're just curious. Yeah, yes. I'm not throwing yeah. my parents or anybody. Yeah, anybody. yeah. Um, but what do you do if uh, you disagree, if, if two parents disagree oh, yeah. on how they want to approach a situation? Yeah. Yeah, that's good because you have to... So I, I can't remember a situation where Steve and I... I know there were some things we didn't... I, I know there were some things that we were different on. Uh-huh. And I can't remember what they were now because, yeah. you know, the, right. it's so long ago. But I know that you, you'll come into these situations and you'll realize, oh, we're not on the same page. So then you have to work that out. Like you can tell your children, um, well, like the situation where sometimes you say, hey, when dad gets home, we'll uh-huh. decide. Um, that's better because then you guys have to work it out, uh-huh. not argue it in front of the children because you, ha- you have to be a parenting team. Uh-huh. So how you negotiate that is you're going to have to figure out some sort of, you know, you you guys have to negotiate so that you can come up with something that um, you both can agree on for the children. Mm-hmm. And that could be hard if you have a very different views of something. I don't, I don't yeah. know how to... But you're going to have to come up with something so that you're a team. Mm-hmm. And that that's hard too because you can't... You have to be careful not to go... Um, well, like, let's say... Um, Let's say I think you have to eat at five o'clock. Now, there's nothing biblical about that. Right. And then my wife thinks we should eat at six. Uh-huh. Now, we never had this conflict. But what, yeah. let's, you know, um, you, you also can't be like the mom can't be going to the kids. Well, we're going to eat at five because your dad insists. Um, you know, can't, you, mm-hmm. th- you can't throw the other one under the bus mm-hmm. d- that way either. You know, you have to. Yeah. So that's a tough one. It makes you yeah. work on your relationship yeah. One one of the classes we talked about that you your relationship has to be really stable, so that your children have a safe environment to grow up in. Yeah. So maybe that's one of those things where your God yeah. drives you you in your differences drives you to figuring this stuff out. Yeah. So, and you might have to come up with a situation with with the kids where like we're gonna do it this way until we decide a different way. Mm-hmm. Just be transparent Just, with yeah. them. Um, this is what we're. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It might be different in the future, but we're working as parents to yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's good with kids too, because um, just in like uh, I think was it last week we talked about shyness. Sometimes shyness is a, a parent will will. Um, cover up shyness like oh my child's just shy uh-huh. they can't talk to when sometimes the child is just being a little booger uh-huh. they don't want to talk to you or they don't they don't you know they don't want anything to do with you because they just they're just being kind of snotty and oh my child's shy but then there's been other parents who are like we're, we're working on that mm-hmm. that's acceptable you know yeah. like like if a parent's it like if you if a parent has a little child and you go hi Susie and the little kids like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the parent can go, well, we're working on that because you don't want to like chastise them right there in front right. of people. So yeah, yeah. So that's good. Yeah. So speaking of in front of people, like, how do you handle like staying consistent when you're in front of people? Like, let's just use dinner. I know 
Mm-hmm. You said maybe in, in a public thing during Thanksgiving, you might not choose to fight that battle there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Like, so you're asking, like... How would you I, handle staying consistent with the child, like, even in public? Oh. Like, in a public setting? Doing stuff. Like Thanksgiving said, dinner, for example. You yeah. said you don't, maybe don't want to address food-related things yeah. during Thanksgiving dinner or family. Right. Oh, that's a good... That's good. Okay. <coughs> I don't know if I'm going to answer your question correctly, but you may be thinking something like, like, when you're shopping with your children yeah that actually came to mind yeah oh okay so you're shopping with your children so okay so at home you need to be practicing that they understand your authority you're a loving authority but you are you are in command right um so when you're out in public they can kind of get away with stuff because you know they're gonna put you in front of people well we chose not we not to do th- like uh, let's say if they're starting to kind of act up when you're shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to. Um, I I hate saying the word spank because spanking is used incorrectly a lot of times. So I'm going to say chastise, mm-hmm. which we're talking about next week, which we will not publicize by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and we're going to talk about chastising, but in public you you don't punish your child i would you say because that's like humiliation it, well there's there's several things one is if you swat them on the bottom you might they might think you're a child uh abuser which which you're not so you gotta that's one thing you got you, you can't chastise in public another thing is yeah um there's a principle in the bible that when you have something between another person you talk you do it privately mm-hmm. and so that also comes up in next week you know chastisement is not public mm-hmm. um, you don't humiliate your kids in front of people in order to get them to comply mm-hmm. that's completely wrong yeah. so yeah in public you're gonna have to just deal as much as you can and go um, we're not gonna have a tantrum now and when we get home we're going to address this and usually they're like oh <laughs> <laughs> Because and then you have to address it at home. They might be punished at home for what they were doing, but you don't want to do it in public. You don't want to humiliate them, and you don't. Um, it's just not something you do in public. Mm-hmm. That, so if that makes sense, yeah. and I've seen a lot of people publicly, you know, do stuff to their kids or verbally assault them in public. I'm like, you're a jerk of a parent when they're putting their kids down. They shouldn't do it in private. You don't put them down, but yeah. it, in public is even worse. Mm-hmm. And then it's by doing good. that, you'll resolve in the future. Like then you can just say like, "Hey, we're going to deal with the feudal stuff. We're going to have to deal with this at home." Yeah. And then because you put the work in the past, you don't have to threaten them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't have a lot of problems in public because we were working on it at home a little bit. But oh, I know yeah. Hadessa and Timon sometimes had to hold hands at uh, at Myers because <laughs> they were acting up. So. <laughs> You remember that? Yeah. She was like, you're going to help. Do you want to tell the... I I would just say that um, a lot of proactive um, instruction, like we're going to go into the store, we're not going to touch things, you will keep your hands on the, you know, car. And, you know, it's just like anything for children, a lot of repetition, Mm -hmm a lot of consistency, mm-hmm. and then always having, you know, 
a plan. Like when I was checking out, because that was the greatest temptation, because they have everything at eye level. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Candy, mm -hmm. yeah, toys. So I had the three in Kroger, particularly they had a bench where I could see them, and they would all go over there and, and sit, and there is a way that you could just gain self-control, just uh -huh. clasping your hands and sitting there nicely. Uh -huh. And I knew they were all together, <laughs> safe and not giving in to the temptation. I could focus on, then, yeah. of course, purchasing <laughs> just our groceries. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say, would you use that phrase, like, gain self-control? Would no. you say that? Go yeah. over there and gain self-control? Yes. I would. It does And if you knew to sit down and fold your hands. Yeah. Like, I remember mom being like, yeah. oh, sit on the bench and gain self-control. And, and honestly, I, I do that to myself even today. Yeah. That there are times when something may arouse me and, uh, or, you know, I want to say something, but right. I didn't yeah. know. Okay. There, it's... So I'll just go gain control, yeah. gain self-control. And then it, it is a gift that God gives us. It's something we need to <laughs> learn how to obtain at times. Yeah. Um, particularly when it, you, you might be in temptation. Yeah. You know? So I, I think those were mm -hmm. pretty helpful. I don't know how discipline said anything else. The other thing about if I had I have literally, if my children were acting up, the goal had to change from getting groceries to let's train this child. And we would leave our grocery cart there. I didn't always put everything back. I tried to do the best I could. But I would take them out to the vehicle and we'd go home and we would address whatever was going on. And now that didn't happen a whole lot, but I was not going to take my child to the car and spank them because who knew? Who could, and it didn't always, they needed to know I was serious. I meant what I said, mm -hmm. that we're not going to do this, throwing a fit in public. It's not respectful to our family. It's not respectful to others. You're, you're, you know, and we just would go. Mm -hmm. Okay, training your child is more important than anything because you only have a short amount of time to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. So you're building family identity. We don't act up and we don't do that. So, so oh, you're not right, only, yeah. yeah, you're not only correcting something, but you're building family identity. This is what we the do. Nymph's the Nymphs family does it this way. Nah. Yeah. He's, he's trying to still. <laughs> yeah. No, they're not throwing tantrums now. Yeah, but they. Yeah, uh, It it wasn't a lot because I really think a lot of it was worked on at home. So being in public wasn't this hard thing to do once in a while. But you know. The key is if you do it at home, you won't have issues in public. Yeah. Right. Occasionally you might until they get the idea. No. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That sounds easy, but you have to be consistent, like I said, like any habit. Right. You're developing habits in your child yeah. for them. Mm -hmm. 
I know it's totally different, but it reminds me of training a dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's repetitive. They don't get it right away, and you have to exercise patience yeah. because they don't get it. And then once they get it, you also can't let up because then they'll stop. Right. And then you have to work even harder yeah. to get it back to normal. Yeah. But, and uh, it's just that's normal for all of us. If we yeah. start a good habit and we stop, so much harder. Yeah. Keep going. I guess the only difference is you can't put them in a kennel. <laughs> I'm glad you see the difference, Dave. Good distinction. <laughs> You're going to make a great father. <laughs> cool. Although a plain pen. <laughs> questions that those are good questions okay i'm gonna stop it here hey welcome back everybody and that concludes week six um hope you guys enjoyed it and now week seven and now week seven yeah week seven that's secret yeah we don't will never be released it won't it won't be digitally released it won't if you but if you want this info the re- uh, let me let me st- step back. The reason why we're not releasing it is it, it talks about a hot button issue, um, and we're not going to name that issue. <laughs> but it revolves around discipline. How how do you discipline your child? And there's a thousand different ways people do it, and there's good ways, bad ways, and probably our way. Um, I don't know. You would have to come talk to us to understand what we actually believe. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to go into it. But I think there was really high level good things that I. Th- that I'd like to pass on to people for week seven. So let's give you some high level stuff. Is that cool? Mm-hmm. So, all right. And again, if you want to know week seven, come talk to my dad. He'll tell you what he thinks. So, <laughs> it might take him maybe, maybe if I don't know who you are, I don't know. I'd have to. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, when don't we do not discipline when you're angry or frustrated. That's the first thing. Don't do it. Hmm. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. I think that's an important thing. I think people need to hear that. Mm-hmm. The The next thing I, I want to say is um, discipline is for private. It's not supposed to happen at Walmart. Yeah. It's not supposed to happen yeah. in front of your peers. Don't embarrass your kids. Yeah. That's, this is a, you do this at home so that they're trained Mm-hmm. going out it's mm-hmm. not it's not for public display mm-hmm. um another thing is you know when you're going to discipline let the child know m- make sure that they understand why they're getting punished whatever that is make sure they're, they're, they're get, they understand that mm-hmm. uh, it's be tough if they didn't yeah. um the third thing our fourth thing i want to say is uh uh, at the end, tell the child that they're forgiven. It's forgotten and love on them. And uh, that's a really important thing. Don't keep bringing up those those past wrongs because God doesn't do that to us. Mm-hmm. So look at how God does it. He, he points something out to us. He corrects us, forgives us, and then the relationship is restored. Mm-hmm. And so that's what you need to do with your, with your children. Mm-hmm. And your goal is not 
revenge or anger. It's training so that they can take hold of their heart and and behavior and and act correctly. Yeah. That's what you want. So, yeah. Yeah. It's very good. Here's some things that we see that are just abusive. Um, loud mouth parents. They're continually screaming at their children. Verbal assassins. These parents call their children names, degrade them, belittle them. Um, physical bullies. I'll go into that. No, I won't go into that. Uh, emotional blackmailers. <laughs> These parents are always angry, always disappointed, always frustrated um, when punishing their children. Erratic trolls. Anything can send these parents into a trizzy, mm -hmm. tizzy. They're unpredictable. Unpredictable. Uh, they may be angry about something 10 years ago and then transfer that anger to the kid. No self-control over their own thinking processes. I made these words up, by the way, these titles. <laughs> yeah. So all of these are examples of failing parents, the ones that I just went through. Um, and if that is you as a parent, change immediately or get help. There's no excuse because uh, it's not worth destroying your family. Yep. The fallen realm is and, counting on you to do something. Yes. That's how I ended it. Yeah. Yeah. They're counting on you to mess up as yeah, a parent. want you to mess up. So those and, are just some yeah. high-level stuff that I think is really important for people to hear. Uh, more of that, there's a lot more in-depth through what we, you talked about on week seven. Mm -hmm. So come talk to dad about it. Did we do the the rule where they can, um, uh, if someone's getting punished, they can, uh, uh, it's like a court term. Do you remember that? The appeal? The appeal. Did we talk, I talk about, that? about the appeal process remember. in the next one, which we're going to do next week? Okay. Or, yeah. Yeah. Week eight. It's I'm a good, but what we had at the end of week seven, and we, again, we didn't record this, but mom and I let all five of you go up front and people. Five children. All, all five of your children. children. All, yeah. All, yeah. Tim and Hadessa, Alea, Johanna, and Jake, and were went in front and people asked them anything they wanted. And I think somebody, I think it might have been Hadessa that said she really appreciated the appeal process, although I hadn't taught on it yet. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but we'll catch that next week. So catch that next week. Yeah. And uh, with that, guys, have a wonderful day. All right. See you. All right, see you. of the earth and claim it for their own.